0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. Now, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Stanley Lee and Sean Mahoney of NetSwitch and another special guest expert for today's episode. <laughs> Sean, would you like to do the honors? And introduce yeah,
1: sure, absolutely, James. Hey, today, we've got Jeffrey Westman. He's the president and owner of Black Anvil LLC out of Wichita, Kansas. He has more than 35 years of experience in the aerospace manufacturing industry, and his diverse set of passions led him to develop skills and expertise in information technology, project management, supply chain security, and continuous improvement. He attended Wichita State University and is a member of four industry advisory boards at Wichita State and Wichita State University Tech. He's also a member of the Department of Defense's Advanced Robotics and Manufacturing. He holds certifications in supply chain professional as a associate supply chain instructor, supply chain lean professional, and he's a Six Sigma Green Belt. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank
2: Glad you. to have you here today, Welcome, Jeff. Thank and you for I'm having to me have you here.
1: So, Jeff and I uh, know each other through. Uh, I look to Jeff when it comes to CMMC questions uh, and compliance for our clients when they they have questions. And I've seen Jeffrey speak at some conferences. I like reading what he posts up on LinkedIn. Uh, and so Jeff is a great resource for me when it comes to that sort of thing. He also comes with a perspective to just compliance in general and alignment to NIST that I think is beneficial to our audience and the the small businesses that we deal with. And so, Jeff, I'm glad you're here today just to kind of talk about a few things.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So when we were talking uh, with about companies wanting to achieve compliance, uh, or when you're talking to companies that want to achieve compliance, how do you suggest going about making the business case for making the move to achieve that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, There's the that's the million dollar question, right? Um, yeah,
1: because it's not an easy road to
2: walk. Exactly, and uh, you know if you look at the uh, makeup of the uh, let's just let's just talk about CMMC uh, and the DoD supply chain, the defense industrial base, the vast majority of those suppliers are small businesses, right? Yep. And, and uh, if, you, if you break up the uh, the percentages and the ratio. A lot of those businesses just simply don't. They don't have the resources that the bigger companies do. But yet they're still being uh, regulated to uh, implement a lot of those controls. So the first thing I always do is I always talk about the ex- existential threat that cybersecurity or supply chain security poses. And Sean, you mentioned my LinkedIn post. That's one of the areas that I've really uh, focused on. Is is trying to uh, encourage companies to view it as an existential th- threat. Um, you know, if you just look at manufacturers, most of those companies all have intellectual property that right. has a value. And whether it sells information, prices, engineering uh, or manufacturing processes, um, they all also have employees and that means uh, personal yep. identifiable information. So. All of that has a value to a competitor um, or a company in China, for example, and um, it also represents a threat that that data could be exposed by hackers that could hold your information for ransom and and i just um, I just learned about a company local that paid seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get their data back and, and for two two weeks so that's all uh, that's one of the major components is is that uh, companies really should already be doing a lot of the security measures that CMMC dictates just from a standpoint of existential threats and protecting their IP so then if we switch over to the DoD contracts and those companies that are using uh, controlled unclassified information the mm-hmm. C don't forget that Every company that's doing DOD work is required to meet CMMC level one because of federal contract information. And that's not something to turn your head to. But if we're looking at companies that are doing CUI, really, you got to start looking at the volume of those sales versus non-government contracts. What's the margins? What is the real margins? And what are the allowable margins? Because those can be different. And uh, uh, companies won't admit that, but they are, they're different. So um, understanding what those real costs are and then doing a breakdown of labor and inventory overhead, because CMMC is going to drive your prices or your overhead to be up and you're going to have to account for that some way. So when I start with them, I always look at uh, this is going to change your company. It's going to change, you're going to have to add employees. Are they prepared to do that? Are they prepared to add employees? Is it can the skill- change the
1: culture too, can't it?
2: Yeah. And the skilled workforce, is, is, uh, is that skilled workforce available? Do they have the ability to pay competitive wages? Um, I, I, yeah, back to your comment. This is going to change. Your, your culture is going to change. The, the method in which you operate is going to change. Are you prepared for that to happen? And it's not enough to only understand that the changes are needed. You have to accept that those changes are needed and agree that those changes are in the best interest of your company's future. So right. at some point, you know, I, I still know companies that are doing CUI, using CUI with DOD contracts, and they keep on oh. kicking the can down the road. And let's just face it, something along the is going to happen either be a hacker. It's going to be bad. You're going to lose their contracts. There's going to be a hacker that comes along. Um, So the can can't be kicked down the road anymore. It's time to to accept (laughs) the fact that MMC is going to happen. Uh, It's for the best for our uh, our nation's uh, security interests. And Companies need to accept either they're going to do it or they're not going to do it. But if they aren't going to do it, they need to get out of the way of the people who are.
0: Yeah, right. and you you mentioned this, this shortage of skill sets, and we actually talked about that on our last episode about, you know, is your current IT p- team is right yeah. for the job? And, you know, we talked about... The current IT team, not necessarily their cybersecurity expert and forget about that their regulations and compliance or risk management expertise. They don't, you know, it's not even close, but we have to bridge that gap. And that's what we were talking about and and want to bring you in to talk about this. You know, how do you see the landscape for getting the controls of the technologies and the compliance into some sort of an alignment?
2: I <laughs> have thought about these questions, haven't you? Um,
1: <laughs> well, no. you and I were talking about the controls the other day, Jeff, and we were talking yeah. about how they're viewed differently from different sides of the organization and yeah. how they're perceived, and, and what's required to have those controls. And even you were you had a different perspective on it entirely.
2: Yeah, um, I have a very unique perspective. My wife reminds me of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, so that's the challenge between the technology people and the compliance people. And there's always going to be, I always kind of think that there's always going to be um, fresh and positive debate. I think that what I noticed the most, and, and having been in a, an IT leadership position for 20 some odd years at a manufacturing company, I understand that when you get a you know, when you get a somebody that's coming in from the outside, there's a couple of things that kind of happen. One, you've built that company, you know, you've helped build that IT infrastructure if you've been there for a while. So if somebody's in there poking around and asking deep questions, you're going to respond negatively. Right. So uh, that's just our common human nature. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's what drives uh, some of the disagreements is because. The technology people take pride in what they built, r- rightly so. But the compliance person is going, "Wait, wait hold on a second. That's not acceptable. We're going to have to change that." Um, the other, the other thing that I think that really drives some of that is, I, 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 we just had this happen the other day. Some of these IT people have been screaming from the rooftops for years about phone going off about the, <laughs> about the um, risks that are posed within the organization and the lack of cybersecurity. And, you know, sometime this is going to happen. We're going to have a hack. We're going to have ransomware. And they've been trying to say, we need to make changes. And the senior leadership's going, no, no, we don't need to do that. that, that That's going to be inconvenient. And so when you have somebody coming in from the outside, um that is uh, telling the senior leadership that, okay, no, that's going to need to change. And the senior leadership says, okay, well, whatever we need to do, how deflating <laughs> is that to the IT person? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. really deflating. It is. So I think that that's what drives a lot of that misalignment is just pride and mm-hmm. um, a little bit of failure to um, of, of senior leadership, I think. Uh, The other thing is that so so I look at things from a very unique perspective is what Sean said was in and and I was trained by the Shingijutsu of of Japan from the Toyota group. And so I always fall back to that approach of how to align the the organization's uh, culture and then how to shift it to a different path and trajectory. And to do that, I, I kind of always go back to cross-functional teams is bring in the cross-functional, the, the people that are going to see things from a different perspective. That does a couple of different things. One, it sends a message. And, and if that team is reporting directly to the senior leadership, right, mm-hmm. that sends a clear message to everybody in the organization that this is serious. We're taking it serious. We're going to support our IT people. So, um, and that's, I mean, the senior leadership piece. Uh, Sean and I, you you know, we've talked about this and I I said at, at one of my conferences is that this is not a technology problem. This is not gonna be solved by the technology people. This is gonna be solved by the entire organization accepting that change is needed and driving that change and recreating the path. So um, I think that that's really the way that I approach these things is to look at it from a standpoint of uh, the various perspectives, um, making sure that you get all of those different teams involved and making sure that they understand the seriousness, provide them all training on the compliance requirements so that they understand, okay, yeah, this is what's needed. We're all on the same page.
0: Yeah. What do I refer as known to unknown? You first, you know, you got to know the unknown. And even prior to that, I think that you hit it right into the point from the business leadership perspective. And I have been referring this as the Fisher cycle of self-destructions for many years. And because it started from the top or starting from one point of the circle, and it could be any point, it could be business leaders, the IT management or cybersecurity expertise, or now in the compliance and risk managers hand, but it has to start from a a point and to bring up this, what you have talked about is seeing the problem and what we call a visualization. And then from there, then it goes into a circle. And if they don't start from a point, and obviously, then the the business leaders, and that's what they should do. As a leader, they should bring up these conversations, have communications, and then the collaboration. So it's, you know, to me or to us at NetSwitch, we we see as a three point, you know, how do you see the problem? How do you communicate? And how do you collaborate? And from that onwards, then you have a smooth mechanics to fix all those issues. And you know, but if they don't do that, then it becomes a vicious cycle of self-destruction. And eventually the organization is going to be self-destruct by itself <laughs> because you don't talk about this type of thing. And like you said, you just keep kicking the keep kicking the cans down the road. And then that eventually is going to be somebody else in the hackers world, the cyber criminal is going to take advantage of that lack of communications Lack of collaboration, and now they're having a few days you know with the cyber criminals at this point so yeah, yeah it, 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 it it's not just an alignment, you're absolutely correct. you know the first is how do you see the problem, and a lot of people are just putting their head in the sand, and that is starting to the, the cycle of self-destruction already.
2: Start with the truth
0: <laughs> there you go. It is painful, but it is necessary, right.
2: If you start with anything else other than the truth, your journey will come to a negative end. Start with the truth, and those cross functional teams will help with identifying that truth. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then that's, you know, of course, that from the business leader's perspective, you know, it's like, okay, always the budget is always about the budget. It never. <laughs> so now. How do you make that business case for budget approval, you know, so to for and, and, you know, have the organization to buy in. even like like you mentioned, train your staff education process. And we talked about that, too, in our previous podcast, you know, now having those webs uh, online web seminars or training, it's very reasonable, very low cost. And in fact, that we are even offering the cyber insurance as part of that. Just to get the leaders to start training the people, yeah. but they, of course, they don't want to listen to it. And and we talk about you know just couple 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 of fancy coffee a month, and they already get a staff you know to to start the role of training. And yeah. how do you recommend they prepare for vendor selections You know to buy into this type of low cost and and get them to prepare for the budget because that is the most painful part of the conversation and like you said you know what is the truth they want they never want to tell you about the truth on the budget situations right so, so what do you, what would be your advice to them and how they should consider and approach the business leader to start that conversation
2: well i i kind of think that first to be able to identify what the costs are for um, for the changes or for the uh, the process, you have to really kind of narrow down okay, who are the who are the reputable suppliers that will be able to support us in this journey and and give us the valid information and who's going to tell us the truth? who's going to make sure that we identify what that truth is? so, I mean, what your your question is pretty. Uh, so let me let me unpack it just a bit and try to answer it uh, f- with with a with this approach. So you have to start with the truth, right? Mm-hmm. To get to that truth, you need to identify what your gaps are, right? And I think that when you're when you're making those vendor selections to identify what your budget's going to be, find a supplier's a vendor. That understands your industry. Okay. If you find somebody that understands your industry, part of the whole part of the journey is gonna be well, the whole journey is gonna benefit from it, but you're gonna resolve a lot of the misunderstandings. Those guys know what questions to ask. They know the software you're using, they know the methods that you that you use for processing, they know how your drawings work. They know how your CATIA files work, all that. They understand that. If you bring somebody in, let's say, for uh, an aerospace contract and and they understand the auto industry, you're going to lose out. You're not going to get to the truth. You have to start with the truth. So if you identify a a group of companies, uh, oh, and by the way, don't use your MSP to do your compliance uh, uh, gap assessment, right? because MSPs are they have a vested interest not to give you the whole truth yeah. you have got to start with the truth that's 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 goal one but find people that are within your your uh, within your second that, that understand and then don't just look at it from the standpoint well they're that's a that's a bigger company so that's probably a better source and we'll go with them sometimes a bigger company is just going to result in a bigger uh a bigger invoice. So uh, look for companies that understand your industry and then look at, try to identify what all those costs are going to be not to, in addition to identifying the cost internally to your, to your team, to your management team, for your training, make sure that you put money in your budget to train your senior leadership, at the same level that you train your cross-functional teams or whatever team that you've decided to go with. Get those senior leaderships in those same meetings with you or training uh, sessions with you because they need to understand it just as well as the the assessment teams or uh, the integration teams. The senior leadership, they need to take the time out and make sure that they understand it. does that make sense? Hopefully, I answered part of your question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The,
0: it, it's it. Yeah, it's very helpful, and it's a great starting point. By the way, you mentioned about the gap analysis, and a lot of people are still confuse, you know, being a security risk and assessment, gap and gap analysis, all those terminology. And and what I'm trying to lead to with all those terminology, it's just like what you're talking about. You start from a from the truth, and you have spent a lot of time and thank you for sharing that spreadsheet and and that's why i want to talk about the spreadsheet that you have created for the assessment to bring up and this is something that you know of course that if our audience would like to have your spreadsheets to be you know do a self-assessment and self-analysis then of, we were going to share that with them as well. And you know, let's talk about that spreadsheet that you created and how they should able to do their self assessment with the spreadsheet that you created, the assessment guideline.
2: Yeah. So um, when that first interim rule came out, uh, it was like, how the, how does these companies score this? There's no there's no methodology. They've given them a um, there was kind of a spreadsheet that. Uh, I think it was the, the DIB uh, DIBNet pushed out that that was the 801 uh, or 800 171 assessment guide, and it gave you the scores. But there really wasn't a, a good way to match it up to really what the re, uh, what the requirement was. So I just put together um, a spreadsheet uh, that would guide them through the process and give them a little bit of um, help. Uh, guidance, suggestions, and then it would score them at the end and tell them how to do this, uh, how to submit their scoring. Um, it went through several versions, so um, before you share that, make sure you <laughs> get them. because I've had to make <laughs> revisions to it since then because there's been companies that have said, "What do you mean by this? Can you give me a, a, a better information?" Um, there was a piece of logic that was missing on a on the. Uh, the ones where you could answer no, but then it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't remove your score. <laughs> um, so I, it was done in a rush because there wasn't anything available. There are some other tools out there now that uh, do similar. And I'm not trying to, to take away from uh, my spreadsheet. It's it's available. It's free. You can use it. It's great. Um, I was getting, uh, I I. I'm happy to provide that in any way, shape or form. If somebody needs some advice, I was uh, I was getting people calling me and asking me what did you mean by this? And uh I was providing them with some free help, which is fine. Look, thank you for with-
0: yeah, offering that too, because that's important because we just need them to start at a point. And this is a continuation. It, it, it's an ongoing process and as the cyber criminal could keep being more sophisticated and keeping more, you know, attack coming, then we have to keep up with this evolution. So I think it's just a great starting point and appreciate it. You make that offer to our audience so they can tap into your expertise. I think you know the whole thing is we just need to start from at a point, and it doesn't mean that we're gonna finish at that point. It's just a beginning, and that's what we are trying to convey this message to all our audience with, you know, with this podcast is just to, we got to start from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. This is not as usual anymore. So we got to start from somewhere. And that's, I think that, thank you very much, Jeff. And that's all the time that we have for today. And I would love to have your final comment before we sign off.
2: Um, Start with the truth and make sure to understand that this is about our country's security, our national uh, security, and it's about our warfighter. Um, if if we're being if we're being compromised here with data loss, uh, and it's then being used to uh, impact our our warfighter safety, we have an obligation to secure and do what we need to do to make sure that it doesn't uh, that it doesn't get access and. By China or Russia or whatever. So we have a duty and and it's our patriotic uh, responsibility. Jeff, can you just let people know how they can get hold of you? What's your website URL? Yeah, blackanvil.llc. Blackanvil. blackanvil. Yeah, (laughs) blackanvil.llc. You can use, uh, you can email me at jeff at blackanvil.llc or Jeff at blackgamble We'll definitely,
0: we'll definitely yeah, put it on happy. our squat in podcast with the link.
2: Yeah. You know what I'll do? Uh, I'll just uh, send you the uh, updated, the most recent version of that spreadsheet. Maybe you can just post it on your website. Whatever you want to do, however right. you'd like to do, fine. Yeah. We'll make sure our
0: audience will be able to reach you.
2: Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Happy to. Good. Um, I, well, I, we can I, go on
1: for hours talking about this stuff with Jeff. Uh, we, didn't make, we didn't even get to other parts of the supply chain conversation I wanted to have with you.
2: Yeah, well, I'm happy to come back. I, I always enjoy talking <laughs> about this topic. I, I um, it's something, Sean. I think you made comment a, up in Kansas City that you could see the passion, and this is something that I'm very passionate about. And if I could Absolutely. afford to, I'd do it for free.
1: <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I don't think your wife would let you do that.
2: I don't know she, she's pretty. <laughs> <different>. <laughs> By
1: the album. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Thanks, guys. Same. Thanks, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, thank you, Stan. Thank you, John. Thanks,
2: thanks, thanks, James. See you next time. Cheers, mate. Bye. bye. Thank bye. you. Bye, bye.